previously on Fun Science Fiction. Yeah, and you know, you just think someday some villain is going to figure out if you just cut that thing in half, you would <laughs> kill the hero before everybody <laughs> Stop talking and get to the murdering. Hey, this is Sam Whitwer. Welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Exit episode 66. The podcast that worked hard to give Darth Maul a leg to stand on. So our guest today is the lead singer and guitarist of a band that you need to know about called The Crash Tones. But you may also know of him from some other things he's done. You know, I don't know, Davis Bloom, a.k.a. Doomsday from Smallville. And of course, the man behind the voice of Darth Maul. So I'm very proud and excited to have the privilege of welcoming Sam Witwer to Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Welcome, Sam. Hi, how's it going? Very, very good, sir. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, excited to have a, a chance to talk with you. No problem. Yeah. Tim's been so, looking forward to this. <laughs> what? I think, I think Tim's been looking forward to this more than the rest of us, but that's just it's entirely crazy. possible. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, before I completely nerd out and giggle about all things Star Wars, because that's eventually where this will end up, uh, I first <laughs> wanted to talk to you uh, about your music, uh, sure. because yeah. I, I've, been, I've been spending some time listening to your music uh, online and uh, you know, through Apple and, uh, and such and kind of getting a feel for, for what you're doing and, and such. Um, because I also feel like we could talk about music and or Star Wars for a very long time. But hmm. I noticed on your website uh, that you offer the Crash Tones music on both cassette and vinyl, uh, which is always of interest to me because I'm a vinyl collector. It's, it's, you are. You don't, you don't see it here, but I have. Uh, I got back into it about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, I wanted to, I actually, I missed liner notes. It was, yeah. it was, it was cool to be able to listen to the music wherever I went and have these, you know, MP3 files and do whatever I wanted while the, all the music, but I missed, I missed the feeling of, of ripping open an album and being able to look at the liner notes. And, and mm-hmm. I missed, honestly, I missed the crackle and the hiss of, of the vinyl album. Uh, there was something nostalgic in that feeling to me of being able yeah. to, and so I, I really wanted to go back and do that. So I've been going back over the last Year. So I think I'm, ba- I'm, I think I'm back up to about 150 albums right now. I've been going through and finding the you know, ones that I used to have, finding the ones that I want to have, um, and, and everything else. But I told you all that so I could ask you this. Sure. In this digital age where everybody has to have everything as a compressed audio file, why yes. is it important to you to make sure that you have albums pressed? For, for two reasons as I, well, maybe three. The, uh, it, well, it means that you own it because, you know, whenever you get it a compressed lossy MP3 or listen to it on Spotify or any of that stuff, um, it's not necessarily yours in its full glory. You know, it's not the best sounding version of what, whatever artist did. Um, and if you want to have that experience, if you want to actually hear what, what a person did, um physical is a great way to go cd is still the most accurate best sounding format we have way beyond what you would you know download or stream in any way uh vinyl is a very pleasing sound and i and i when i when i worked on the vinyl i was surprised to learn that depending on the equipment that you're using to play it back vinyl sounds really competitive with cd i didn't know that i thought maybe it was this old wow you know it's it's cool but it doesn't sound that great. No, it turns out if you play it back on some good equipment, really good turntable, 
it's really good it's yeah. really really good and then tape everyone maligns it as oh it's not as good as everything else but tape has a cool thing that happens called tape saturation where basically you know uh, maybe the signal comes in a little hot at certain points and it mm -hmm. bakes in in a way that is very very pleasing to the human ear and so they, it has a character to it um, um so the fact the ownership of something that you like because i for example i have I have discs of, you know, like I just got the 4K of, of the first four Star Trek movies, you know, nice, fantastic movies, but I want the best version of that. And streaming has gotten great. The streaming is great for convenience, but if you love something, I think you probably want to have the best version of it. And, and it's way beyond streaming what I see. So, um, you know, for me, I, yeah, I, I collect these things. I want to hear what the artist did. And, and furthermore, I want to sit down in here. This is point number two a deliberate way of listening to music because we have become so our, our, our attention spans have shrunk to just right. about nothing. And we're constantly on the go or doing something or being distracted by something on our phone or something like that. So the act of taking a, you know, a physical cassette or a turntable uh, disc, put it on a turntable and sit down and listen to it is a very different experience. I, I mean, I, you know, the, the cassette, I, I actually put it into a, uh, Walkman and listened to my own. I had to listen because I was making it, but I listened to my own record in a Walkman and there was an experience there that I hadn't had with that. Mm -hmm. And it was, again, it was a deliberate experience. I sat down to listen to it. Right. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's that type of philosophy is, is in danger of being pushed aside by a lack of patience. And so I'm combating that lack of patience. I like yes. it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I'm also yeah, amazed I, you have a Walkman that still works. I was surprised <laughs> I did actually. Yeah, that was a surprise <laughs> to me. I didn't know. I actually didn't know I had it. I found it. I'm like, oh, this will come in useful. This will be. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I actually rearranged the front room of my house. Uh, we added a wood stove this year. We started heating with wood, and nice. I rearranged the the front room of my house where my desk is and where I put where I put my chair, so so that I could be close to my my turntable and have oh, a. Neat a really nice area to sit down in. and and just like you were just talking about to actually sit down and enjoy the music mm -hmm. and, and being able to you know um have a cup of coffee and sit there and listen to i'm a huge pearl jam fan and mm. um and uh and, and the beatles and so between those two i i've been going out and finding all these different albums that of theirs that i wanted like i'm so excited i just ordered um because I haven't been able to find a good copy of it, of the Vitology album. It's mm -hmm. literally on its way to me right now. And I will giggle with sheer uh, excitement when that shows up in the mail. But yeah. I, I'm waiting for that album to show up. But I, I, we did it specifically for that so that I could have this, this sitting area to be able to enjoy these records. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, when you hear a, a really high quality recording of some artist's work, there's, I'm always astonished by how much detail is actually in there and how many layers and how many things that you never really hear if you're listening to it passively. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, so now that I know that you're a collector, I have to ask what's your most prized album, your, your favorite album that you have. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Um, boy, you know, I don't know that I can answer that. I, okay. Well, maybe I can, maybe I can. I, um, for whatever reason maybe it was you know 
when I was growing up, I uh, I really liked listening to Fleetwood Mac Rumors. It was a oh, great album. Beginning to end, every song is incredible. And uh, yeah, it's a really, really fantastic record. And it seems to transport me to a time where I was probably barely sentient. I was just a little baby, but, but <laughs> I, there's something about that time that I remember. And I think, I think it's related to what we're talking about because, you know, with these phones constantly vying for our attention and telling us essentially what to, you know, what to be doing with our time or how to think or all this stuff, uh, listening to Fleetwood Mac rumors on a turntable in my house brings me back to a time where it was an option to not be around all this digital influence, you know? Yeah. Um, it's one of the, one of the wonderful things, one of the most awesome things about being in my particular sort of micro generation is that we grew up at the incept of all this, these technologies. So we know how to use it. We adapted it. We're very familiar with it, but mm -hmm. we also very importantly, remember a time before it. So when it becomes too overwhelming or we find ourselves just feeling not very good for some reason, we shut off the machines and maybe put a record on and listen and find, oh my God, I feel happier right now. This is weird. I haven't felt happy for a few days. I feel happy right now. Oh, oh, it's because, you know, Facebook is ruining my life. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah, um, I had I had a very similar experience. Uh, recently, I got uh, police synchronicity and, and uh, synchronicity, excuse me. And I sat down with that and listened to some of the songs on that and it was one of those things, like you just said, it was kind of the transport back to something else where it was, yeah. it was, man, this is really cool. This is what I, you know, I had my phone turned off. I put that over on my desk, left my iPad over there, just me, the album, the liner notes and sitting down and listening to the music on mm -hmm. a cup of coffee. That's, that's kind of a standard. Uh, but, yeah. Coffee, coffee. I, I, I never drank coffee until maybe if, just a few years ago. And my God, I had no idea. It's incredible. <laughs> didn't realize uh, yeah. you were missing. <laughs> yeah, I had no I'm, idea. I'm, <laughs> I'm, really I'm moments away from mainlining it. So it's, you know, oh, it's, it's going to happen. I'm trying to <laughs> limit my coffee intake because some it'll, I'll have headaches. I'll drink so much coffee and I'll try to back off it and I'll feel the withdrawal symptoms. So, you know, <laughs> nasty habit, kids stay away from it, but it's kind of wonderful. It's funny because when I was working on this, on this record, um, I remember because there's a, there's a man working on anything creative and you were saying that you were just painting, right? Yeah. It's terrifying because, because if you continue to paint, you know, you're painting and you, you go, oh, okay, well, if I continue, I will eventually probably finish this. And then we're going to find out if it's any good or not. <laughs> That's no fun because a half finished painting or a half finished song or any of that stuff has the potential of being something really special. But then once you finish it, it it's fulfilled its potential and it's either good or it's not, or it's somewhere in between or whatever it is. And, but, you know, but, but the, the secret is <laughs> that if you don't finish it, it's nothing right. it never becomes anything, you know? So, right. So um, I found that, you know, cause I was, I was like, I'd be like, I'd have to get some work done on the record and stuff. And, and you know, you, you listed me as the uh, guitar player singer. I'm actually the all things on that album i am <laughs> i am the producer i am the mix engineer i am the bass player guitarist okay player, singer I, I the only thing i'm not is a drummer i have a drummer that works with me okay. so it's it's so it's me doing everything um again including production and mixing and all this stuff 
So I'd be like, oh, I got to work on it tonight. I got to work on it tonight. But this couch feels amazing. <laughs> and there's this new episode of this on. And it's really kind of late. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I, you know what? Maybe not tonight. Maybe not tonight. Wait a second. Let's see what coffee has to say about it. <laughs> and then I drink the coffee and the coffee goes, you're just afraid. You can You're just it. afraid. Get off the couch. Your laziness is fear in disguise. Get up, launch <laughs> yourself out. You can do this, man. You got this. So I didn't realize that coffee would do that. That would change. It just give me a tiny little push in, into optimism and energy. And I learned through that, that again, my laziness is in fact fear. It's in fact being like, well, I don't want to finish it. It might suck. I don't want to, you know, that type of thing. Oh, I understood. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's kind of interesting when you come to realize the line that laziness is fear in disguise. That, it kind of is. Isn't I'm it? using that later. Like, <laughs> I, well, don't you think so? I mean, what do you oh, think? Oh yeah, no, I totally see that. I totally see that. Hmm. I agree. I also have a half finished painting in my kitchen that it's the you know you should really work on that. Right, and what is it that you're like? Ah, it's a lot of work, and I don't want to do it right now. And that sort of, ah, I don't want to do it is actually you sort of protecting yourself. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize that until- If I keep working on it, I might screw it up. There it is. It's actually pretty, it's on its way to being pretty good right now. I should leave it alone. <laughs> like it's, right, because no, it still yeah, has that, that potential sitting there and you're like, oh, has that well, potential. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would be sitting with these, like these, all these song ideas and I'm like, I really like them, which is why I can't finish them. I don't want to finish them, you know? And, and, I, and I, I made a deal with myself that I was like, you, you push this along and you do a little bit every night with maybe a night off here and there. And that's the deal I made with myself. And I followed through on that deal and it sucked. It was so painful. It was, oh, it was so bad. It was so, so very bad. Coffee helped, but it was a Coffee nightmare, guys. It was so bad. I hated it. And then once the sort of writing part was done, I slowly started to like it. Because <laughs> then you'd go, oh, well, I wrote this. And I really like the potential. I don't like where it's at right now. Let me monkey with it. But I've finished it. It's finished. So let me monkey with the finished thing of the first draft, the rough draft. Mm -hmm. And then you can monkey with that. And then you can push it toward being better, you know, and you go, oh, oh, this isn't so grim. This isn't such a lose lose proposition. Like you can actually, things can improve, you know, yeah. that's it. So, so to piggyback off of Tim's question a little bit, and you've already mentioned that you listen to Fleetwood Mac. I like talking to voice actors specifically about their musical history and mm. as a voice actor and as an, as a mu musical artist, I'm sure you've got some interesting musical history. So do you come from a musical family or do you have musical education specifically, or is it just what you taught yourself? Some musical education, but I kind of dropped that <laughs> right away. I didn't really enjoy the, the learning of it. Um, and then I found that I liked it on my own terms. So I I'm basically mm -hmm. self-taught um on all various in instruments and stuff like that which is why i play so poorly really um <laughs> but it's um my family has a lot of uh musical talent in fact the family members of mine that are musicians are way way more proficient uh than i am uh with with how they express their musical talent now me if i have a talent it's that i'm a i could be a big faker um <laughs> 
That's what an actor <laughs> is, right? You know, like an actor acts like someone that has a skill. Like I'm an actor, I'm playing a doctor. You know, I act <laughs> like I have those skills and that education or I'm, I am an actor and I play like I'm a soldier, like I'm a trained soldier, you know, you're not, you're an actor. Um, So, so when I'm working on music, I'm pretending like I'm a musician basically. And I have some notion of what it's supposed to sound like. So if I keep hammering on it, I might get lucky and be like, Oh, that's, that's sort of what it is. All right, moving on. Okay. And then we'll do this. Okay. That's sort of what it's supposed to be. Um, So that's, that's, if, if I have a superpower, it's. (laughs) I have to, I have to laugh a little bit though, that you say that you're, you're good at faking it when the first role of yours that it, like when Tim said, Hey, we're going to talk to Sam Whitware. And I'm like, I know that name. I know that name. Why do I know that name? Because you're Neil Perry. That's why I'm fake ice truck. He's a faker. He faked <laughs> Sam faked being a faker once he he's so did. fake. You he's were such so a fake. good at faking being a faker though. Yeah. Yeah. If the audience has no idea what we're talking about. We're talking about Dexter season one in which I was playing a guy who was pretending to be something. So I was a guy who's pretending to be a guy who's pretending to be something. That's really mm-hmm. what I was doing. So it was yeah. impressive. Well, thank you. I, I, I liked that role. That was fun. That was surprising. Too. Yeah, it was very creepy. Very, very creepy. <laughs> yeah, I got to I got to You know, funny enough, I, I think I finally out creeped Neil Perry recently with a uh batman podcasting that's coming out that oh. i've heard i've oh, heard I saw some that. of it the harvester yeah mm. uh, yeah i think i finally out creeped anything i've ever done ever because <laughs> um, i listened to it i'm like what did we do guys is you sure they're like no oh, it's great that's what we wanted i'm like it's really uncomfortable guys it's really <laughs> nasty i don't like this so um but it's very yeah it's out there it's out there. oh that's so cool really i look forward weird. to that so. Because Neil Perry is creepy, and if you can outcreep yeah. that, yeah. Well, they didn't tell me he was supposed to be creepy. They hired me to be a squirrely computer nerd guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where they got the idea that he was going to suddenly turn and scare the hell out of everyone. But they, I just got the script, the next script, and it's like that happened. I'm like, oh, were you guys going to tell me? All right, fine. I'll do that. In his and trailer with jump. his taxidermy, and yeah. Well, originally the the audition scene was was when he was being interrogated by Deb and, and mm-hmm. Dokes. And he's just kind of being a goofball. And that's it. That's all they auditioned me for. Just me being like, hey, what are you guys doing? Yeah, no, no, that looks like that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, my, my dog was, it was with my dog. And that's it. Just me being kind of goofy. And then, and then he turns <laughs> later in the show to being something very different. Um, and like even had- the, the scene where they arrest him and he just starts singing while they're arresting him. They didn't him ask me if like- I could sing. I'm like, what is this? Dude, like, well, that was one of the things I was like, why are they like, I, I think we can pull this off, but they didn't ask me if I could do any of these things. They, they gave me like this sheet music. I'm like, I don't want to read sheet music, but I can certainly listen to this recording they gave me. I think they gave me a tape of the, uh, of the song. And then I was like, okay. I mean, they didn't ask me if I could do any of that stuff. And I think it, I mean, I guess it just kind of worked out. <laughs> there's, like, there's no rhyme or reason to it in the scene, even. I love he, that. I do, too. I do, too. Yeah. But why, why is he singing while being arrested? What is going on here? You know, I wish I could ask younger me what, what I thought it was, because <laughs> I don't remember what I was thinking it was. I just know that, you know, I will tell, no, you know what? I, well, I must have gone in with some idea, but I didn't really have it solidified. And it was, I think, right then on the set that I'm like, oh, it's like this. 
mm. which is, a, you know, I mean, sometimes how I do it things, but it's, it's nerve wracking. I remember definitely walking into that scene feeling very uncertain because I'm like, okay, they're going to point guns at me and I'm going to start singing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Why does it, what is it? How's it, is this going to be scary? Let's do figure out how to make it scary. And then uh, it just sort of worked. I, 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 oh, you know what it was? I think I was like, I don't know. I just had some certain notions of, I don't know. No, no, no. Forget it. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know. <laughs> it worked, though. Um, it totally enough. worked. But you know what it is? You know what it is? I, there was one thing where, where like, I think he was smiling when he was singing and he was looking at Deb. And I remember just being like, stay with Deb. <laughs> just, just look at Deb. Just look at Deb and smile at her. But don't don't really necessarily smile with your eyes. <laughs> you know, just kind of a dead eyes smile at Deb while he sings at her. Thought that might be a little weird. Um, so I don't know. It is, but it worked. <laughs> oh, I God. actually like I so when we got the Tim said, Hey, we're talking to Sam, and I'm like, Ooh, I'm gonna go watch that again. And so I started <laughs> watching season one again. And so it was like last week that I watched that episode, and I'm like. Oh man. Oh man. The harvester's <laughs> worse, guys. The harvester worse. I'm looking, I, and, I'm, lo I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, no, look, like taking nothing away from Neil Perry. I think I love that character, but but uh, uh yeah, anyway. I, that was really fun. Have you guys been watching the new Dexter? The the I have not. Not yet. I have not yet. My my brother is in it. My brother, oh. Clancy, Clancy okay. Brown, Savage is in it. So I had to, I had to tune in, and I think he's just terrific. Clancy Brown is so. Clancy's fantastic. got some amazing characters that he has. Oh my! How many amazing characters? Yeah, you know, like well, no. extremely talented. Yeah, he's so extremely good. talented. Yeah, but you know, really, every, everything we're talking about, it's all fake. It's all. I mean, well, like fake in the most glorious way. You know, you're. It's mm -hmm. all of these things are, are imaginative leaps that you're trying to make to try to make something make something have an effect i mean the again the the music stuff is all a weird imaginative leap of me saying what haven't people heard so much right you know i mean you know and and i'm i'm happy that when people hear it um they don't really know what genre to put it in and i love that I, you know and, and the other thing that i really like is that, that they also don't know what what era to put it in like but they're always confident a lot of people are confident they're like oh it's very 90s but then if they're older they go oh it's very 80s and then if they're mm -hmm. older than that they go oh, it's very 70s and then if they're older than that oh it's a little bit 60s and they always they always go back to a touchstone that they know and are comfortable with in describing the stuff and it's because i spent a lot of time faking the recording techniques of those decades so if there was like an 80s keyboard part in the song I tried to make sure that there was there were 80s recording techniques involved in recording that. Mm, if there was a cool. baseline that was supposed to be a 70s baseline, I tried to make it sound and record like a 70s baseline, and 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 that also you know involved a lot of digital simulations of old recording rigs and all kinds of stuff like that. So that you know it's it's a weird mishmash of different decades all smashed together, oftentimes in the same song. Um, and those different parts are, again, recorded rather differently, um, which took a lot of research to fake it effectively. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I mean, again, I, I really did approach the, the record the same way I approach 
a role where I'm like, okay, well, this is a story. And who's the character? Who's the main character of this story? And, and what are the circumstances? And if we were to shoot it, how would we shoot it? And if we were to do sound design for it, how do we do that? You know, that's sort of the way I was looking at it. Interesting. Um, you know, um, honestly, not, with that thought in mind, um, I actually told Kathleen, I was talking with Kathleen and her husband today, that your music reminds me, and this is how I described it to them, was David Bowie meets the Talking Heads meets Primus. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at that, but that's interesting. I like the Bowie reference too, because I, I, because I heard I heard Bowie in some in, in some of the the vocals that you did. Mm. Um, I heard uh, the Talking Heads in some of the the musical compositions and the phrasing of of your verses. Mm. And honestly, um, not that that many people can keep up with uh the bass playing from primus but uh oh uh, god no <laughs> no but no but some of the some of the bass lines that were being played on on and i'd have to go back and, and find the exact song uh but there was one song in particular i was like god that that bass line that groove kind of and i was kind of like you know bobbing my head listening to it it made me think of primus yeah. um and, and so Which one it was i was listening to today and john's like that's very glenn miller i'm like yes it is yeah, well, it's and here's the thing. I, I I would like to continue to make music that that kind of confuses people as to where the hell it's from, you know, because right. when you're young, you're like, you're like, man, you guys sound like the chili peppers. And you're like, yes, we did it. <laughs> and then you get a little older and you're like, we didn't we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We just sounded like someone else. What is that? You know, right. and 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 a lot of I think my because I, I have to admit to, I can admit this now that I feel like I have broken the shackles a little bit, but um, when I was growing up, I think the musician that had the biggest influence on me was Mike Patton, right? Um, do you guys know who that is? Faith No More. Yeah, out. nice, nice. But not just Faith No More. Like, look That's up what that I know guy's discography, and he's been in everything. My God, the guy... You know, I believe he did like a lot of the zombie sounds from Left for Dead, for God's sake, stuff like that. You know, oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like he's he's got an extraordinary vocal range. He can kind of do everything and anything. And he has throughout his career. He constantly does these, his whole career is side projects of just going, now it's this, now it's that, now it's that, now it's that, now I'm pruning, now I'm this, now I'm that. And it's never the same. And he's constantly trying to you know, not repeat himself and do new things. And I think my stuff was a little bit too, when I first started making music, it was maybe too influenced by the Faith No More type stuff. Uh, but thankfully, my influence was a guy who was trying to not be something that could be right. readily qualified. So, it, you know, I, um, so I, on purpose, I, funny enough, I, I actually had a really great Mike Patton fan uh, constantly come into the studio and coach me about anything that I was doing that was too close to what he might do. Uh, so anyway, uh, oh, that's cool. he's like, oh, you broke it. You broke it. You're out of that. <laughs> now you can list him as an influence and not feel like you're copying a, a different artist, you know, that type of thing. But it's, um, but yeah, I definitely listened to David Bowie and all of those bands you were talking about. So, you know, but it really nice. more, it's, it's more like what's, what's the story of this song and what's the best way to tell it mm -hmm. and through what decades and what sounds and how much can you steal from this and that and slam them together? You know, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's one song that it's, it's, um, what is it called? Hold on. What do I call this song? I think it's called, Oh yeah. Base of your skull. And 
And I used to, I would, the, the fun name I had for it when I was working on it was the James Brown Halloween special because, <laughs> because it was, it had a complete James Brown baseline, James Brown style drums. And then, but although they weren't quite recorded the way James Brown would have done it, but I, I, a little bit of a funky drummer thing going on, definitely based, uh, James Brown baseline, but then a weird, creepy, uh, keyboard part almost from nine inch nails on top of it. So I'm like, it's the James Brown Halloween special. Uh, <laughs> Watch yourself. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it's a weird, it's constantly that like what, how many chocolates and peanut butters can I find that type of thing? What things mm -hmm. don't belong with other things? That, and so if they don't belong, I want to put them together and stuff. Love it. Um, so, so Sam, how we often hold like a hidden gem that is dear to our hearts that we're like really proud of. What is like a role or a character or even some of your music that is a little less known that is your hidden gem? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. What do you guys think it is? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I was, I was honestly struggling today looking through your IMDb and your so I'm going to do the same thing. Me. What have I been? I, You've been I, in so many things. To access Sam's IMDb account, please go to www.samwitware.com. <laughs> uh, what have I done? I'm look, yeah, what do you guys think it is? I, I don't. So, well, here's one for me, uh, because it wasn't something that I was aware that you did. And I actually had to go back and watch the run of it. Um, I was not aware that you were in Smallville. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, I gave, I, I watched Smallville and I kind of, not that I gave up watching the show. I just kind of trailed off after I think about the fifth or sixth season. And because he was in season eight, Tim. Yeah, I know that. That's why I didn't know he was in it. Going there. He's already on that. that tip. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had to go back and, and I was like, wait, Sam was in, was in Smallville where, and I had to go back and find it to, so to find out that you played, you know, uh, the guy that was, you know, being basically inhabited by, by doomsday was kind of cool. And, you know, I don't, I, I really, for me, I really enjoyed that because it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't something that was Star Wars really. And there's a ton of stuff that you do that Star Wars really that I absolutely love because A, Star Wars, um, and B, Star Wars. And uh, <laughs> like, are you gonna say the line? Are you gonna say it? No, 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 not just you know, <laughs> shut up, Kathleen. Anyway, um, but yeah, for me, that was it. I, I really enjoyed you on, on going back and watching you on Smallville uh as Davis Bloom. For me, mm. that was that was a, a, a lot of fun to watch. Mm yeah i i don't i don't know what would be my hidden gem i will say that i feel like we were when we did being human we were extremely emotionally involved with that mm -hmm. story very very into it and you know speaking of the record a lot of those songs were written or at least be, begin what are you hey buddy come here come here what's going on come on what are you, doing? you want to be interviewed two lovers yeah he's like if you're gonna go out there you can bark with him but don't bark in here to show solidarity don't do that, <laughs> don't do that. um he wants you to oh, know that they're barking yeah yeah um the uh so much of of the musical content was kind of written as we were closing in on the uh finale of being human um so it was like a way you know that those two projects are kind of related but i feel like we all 
did some pretty interesting work on that show. I, mm-hmm. I really liked that show. I think it's on AMC Plus now. Uh, someone was showing me okay. like new oh. commercials for being human, which I was like, cool, nice, interesting. I was uh, actually, I mean, going through, like I said, going through your IMDb, it was the wait. You were on an episode of ER. You were in an episode of Angel. How did I? How did I not notice that until I think about it? And I'm like, oh wait, no, there he is. I can see him now. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's that's the one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, you go from job to job. That's just how it works. I I've. It's interesting to me that the science fiction stuff has been the stuff that that really stuck because. Mm-hmm done a lot of other stuff and then it seemed like the science fiction stuff was the stuff that was getting the most attention and getting yeah. being the most successful i mean maybe that has something i don't know i don't know why that is <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so, i only have one other question about the job to job you have an uncredited role in walking dead ah i do that you were that it just says tank soldier mm-hmm. yeah are you the one inside the tank <laughs> Yeah, he, he looks quite a bit like me. In fact, that was right before. <laughs> yeah, I'm the zombie. He goes in the tank and, and he blows my head off. Uh, nice. Darabont and I are buddies, and we have been since the mist, and uh, oh, yeah. which is a film that me and him did. And um, he look not not a lot of people know this, but he, I was not available to play. Um, well, I'll just say a certain role on the show. I was not available for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. You're good. There you go. I can um, see it. And uh, wasn't available. I had signed on to another pilot. Um, and it's and it's such a really interesting, weird inflection point because Shane was something that I, frankly, I felt like I already knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Really wanted to do it. And it was, I was heartbroken when it didn't work out. I, he literally called me up um, the, the day after I said yes to another pilot, I was like, Frank, and it's even, it's even more painful than that because, because, uh, I auditioned and he's, and, he, and then he got a hold of me and he says, Hey, listen, your, your audition is terrific. You're just too young for it. And I'm like, well, he's like, and he's like, yeah, he's like, you're too young for it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, dude, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, that's cool. Because the guy he was zeroing in on for um, uh, Andy Lincoln's part was Andy Lincoln. And he's a little bit older than me. And he says, they should be really contemporary and you're a little too young for it. So then so then I, I was auditioning for something else. I was I was getting close to another pilot. And right as we were, they, they said they wanted me. Um, Buddy, you're being loud. You're being loud. What are you doing? With your schnoot. Okay. So pilot what seriously we just talked about (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we uh this pilot was zeroing in on me and right as they said that they wanted me i said to my agent please call the walking dead and make sure i'm too young can we make sure and they're like well they said you were too young i'm like i know i have a weird feeling just make sure so they called the casting director to, and I said, ask them to ask Frank. Mm-hmm. Specifically, ask them to ask Frank. And they said, no, no, he's, he's not too young. He's tell him to take the pilot. So I took the pilot. I said, yes. And the very next day, the next day, Frank calls me up on Skype. Hey, man. Hey, Frank. So listen, I was thinking about this thing about you being too old. 
that's bull crap, man. You're not too old for that. You've got to be, you've got to be shamed. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, no, man. I'm like, well, how come yesterday you said that I was too, I was too young. He's like, what do you mean yesterday? I'm like, well, we called you yesterday. He's like, you called me. I didn't, he's looking at my phone. I'm like, well, I didn't call you. We called the casting director to call you. She said, she checked with you. And you said, you know, and she's like, she never got a hold of me. She's casting her. She never got a hold of me. I'm like, what? He's like, Whitworth, we're buddies. Call me personally. I'm like, Frank, I'm not going to call you for a role that you already said no to that. And so he's like, well, dude, can you get out of it? I'm like, Frank, I have the contract right here. was literally about to sign it. I said yes to them yesterday. I think it would be a dick move to say no at this point, even though I haven't signed, but I said yes yesterday. And he's like, so he's like, okay. You know, he said, well, later on, he got a hold of me. He's like, I got a really cool idea. He's like, you want to be that tank zombie? And he's like, I read the script. He's like, you want to be that guy? He gets his head blown off. I'm like, well, I'll do it. Yeah, sure. He's like, well, hold on. He's like, what I want to do is I want to do in season two, uh, a flashback episode, kind of like a Twilight Zone episode about the fall of Atlanta. And it will be about this young soldier and him um, fighting for his life and what happened and how these things all came to, to be. And, and I'll introduce a new character too, but he's like, but you will be the lead of this episode or two. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. Let's make a zombie movies. You want to make a military zombie movie like Black Hawk Down meets okay. zombies? I'm like, yes, I do. And he's like, get in the tank. I'm like, all right. And then, so I flew to Atlanta and we were all excited. And then I remember, <laughs> I'll always remember this. There's a weird thing that happens on sets where there's a packing order and people don't always, you find out how nice someone is. I remember one time being like for, I think it was Dark Angel. There was a, an assistant director who was grabbing me and pulling me around. You had to be over here and go over here and stuff like that. And someone was like, hey, 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 hey that's our guest star. And he's like, Oh, Oh, I th- I'm sorry. I thought you were an extra. And I'm like, why would you treat an extra like this? Why would you treat right. anyone? Like this? Don't grab someone by the shoulder. What are you doing? So, so anyway, there is a certain level of that sometimes when you arrive on a set and, and I have to imagine some of it is a little justified because maybe some people are, I don't know, trying to, trying to increase the size of whatever it is that they're doing or try to make themselves more important. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but anyway, all I know is that I was getting ready to do the walking dead thing. I'm in Atlanta. And at this point we were negotiating being human because the other mm-hmm. pilot hadn't gone, but then being, being human was coming up and it was super interesting to me. And I was like the opportunity to be the lead of, you know, my own show and oh my God, it's going to be cool. And uh, had been through a whole process of not only, meeting people and reading with them and my hair was a certain way get on the set of walking dead and immediately the hair person starts buzzing my hair off i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa. stop 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 I'm like what what are you doing we well, you're a soldier i'm like yeah i know didn't they t- they told you that i we need to keep my hair as much this length as we can well we need to have it really short i'm like listen you're not gonna believe me i'm frank's buddy this is actually not just quick extra part i know you're treating me like i'm an ex i'm not i'm i'm your boss's friend and i have to go do my own show in a little bit so i need a little bit of hair because i'll shoot that in about two and a half weeks and they and they didn't believe me they were like no you're not i'm like shut the f- i'm a, i'm in my own show and like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so i was uh, feeling all you know 
how dare they don't they know who i am you know a vampire vampires don't have buzz cuts oh my god you know and i remember really struggling with that when we first shot being human to try to make my hair look like it did during the what make it look like they expected it to look mm -hmm. you know and thankfully my hair grows ridiculously fast so so we were fine but but i had to fight the hair lady on walking dead and then the person i didn't have to fight was greg nicotero who personally uh applied my makeup which was fun that was cool greg's a nice. great guy sorry back to the shane thing they said you were too young to play shane frank frank thought i was and then he thought i wasn't when the actor that they got is a year older than you yeah but at that point he had decided that shane didn't need to be uh, as old as Andy lincoln that makes sense you know so but. at that point he was thinking well no no let's let's actually target more around sam's age that that actually works okay. but before then he was thinking they both had to be around the same age all right. So as it's been noted earlier, I, I love Star Wars. It's part of my everyday, whether I'm watching one of the movies, one of the animated, animated series. Um, whether he's comparing uh, it to his marriage. You know what? Nobody asked you. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, you're going to make me say it, aren't you? I am. Okay. And Fine. I'm going to sit over here and do the mocking. I'll just say it and get it over with so she can shut up about it. I often compare Star Wars to my marriage. It's there for me in sickness and health, good times and bad. There. Mm. Okay. I said, <laughs> are you happy not got things? Oh, you have made my day, Tim. All That's right. Fun. So whether it's one of those things or I play the video games, which my favorite has been Forced Unleashed. Um, uh, it's a ridiculously fun game. And that's honestly where I got introduced to you, where I, my first recollection of anything Sam Witwer, uh, as I watched Starkiller and I'm like, man, who's that? I was like, you know, and then I found out that that was actually, you know, a motion cap of you and your face and that, that, you know, it's like, well, that kind of makes sense. That is actually Sam. Okay. Um, and while we've talked about this game in several episodes of our show, because I'm a fan of it. Some of the guests that we've had on our show, other Star Wars content creators, uh, fans of the game as well. But I have a question for you because this is kind of the, the, the argument that we've had about it. And mm -hmm. so I want to get your opinion and see where you weigh in. Because our opinion is, is that Starkiller, as he is, is too overpowered. It would seem that no one would be able to contain him or contest him. And is the reason why he could not be brought into canon as is. Do you think that there's something that could be done or what should be done or could be done in order to make Starkiller... Uh, jump from the video game screen onto the motion picture screen yeah yeah easily easily because people forget that force unleashed is more of a tall tale all of the jedi characters all of the force characters in there are operating with rules and power levels that do not exist in the movies or the tv shows you know all of them do so right. you know um cast in paratus and Shaq T, you know, all there's all kinds of crazy force pyrotechnics happening in that game. And it was, you know, that George agreed that taking the force and pumping it up to 11 was great for a video game, not necessarily great for the universe of the of what he was doing, but for a video game, perfect, you know, um, and, you, you know, and then I mean, what's cool is that you still feel the influence of Starkiller uh even today i have yet to ask dave actually if the clone wars finale uh if he gave me a little ode to star killer at the end because darth maul goes full star killer mm -hmm. now in those circumstances mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense because the shroud of the dark side had fallen you know the order 66 right. happening 
So in the galaxy, evil is having a, you know, a party. And so right. <laughs> if there were ever a time where Maul were at his best, it's then, you know, or, or at least at his easiest, not necessarily his best. So, so, but, but in order to swap, to put Starkiller in, um, in canon, the, the important thing about that character isn't that he's so, so powerful. I mean, he's got to be a little bit of a, a savant, you know, prodigy. Yes, a little bit. Right. But what's interesting about the character to me is the fact that, you know, he, his tutelage was from Vader and the whole beginning part of Force Unleashed is him doing awful things while he's trying to figure out the world. It's like Luke Skywalker in reverse. And then the second part of the story is him trying to undo everything he did in the first part of the story. Right. So he's an extremely flawed character. He's an extremely confused character uh, who makes a lot of mistakes throughout the whole thing. And I think that's, that, that's to me what makes Starkiller interesting. It isn't that he's, you know, you can do, you can do all these things. It's so powerful. Be like, no, I think the, 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 the story is what makes it. I think. No, I'd agree with you. I think sometimes the nuances of his character gets lost in the, the explosiveness of what people are able to do with the character on screen. Yeah, and right. So, well, and it's a video game, so why wouldn't they be thinking about what you can do with the character? You know, that makes sense. But yeah, I, I you know, when I when I see people having their good-natured debates and saying, oh, blah, 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 and he's too overpowered, I'm like, that's not even what's important about him. You know, he's, he's a reflection, a shadowy reflection of Luke Skywalker and, and Ahsoka Tano and those journeys and him trying to make the right decisions when he doesn't really have very good guidance. And then when he finally gets good guidance, it's this alcoholic ex football coach of a Jedi Knight. You know what I mean? Like I, there were a lot of very unique things about that story. Yeah. A blinded Jedi Knight. Yeah. Right. I, that's what I like to do. I like to blind Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? There was some, I was being cheeky. There was someone on Twitter. Who was, he's like, you know, which, which one do you like better? And they showed, Kanan having been blinded and they showed Coda having been blinded and someone was making a poll of like, you know, what was cooler and, and, you know, don't you think that one took from the other and stuff like that? And this came out first. And I just wrote back, I don't care. I blinded them both. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any difference to me. Well I'll played. Just and, you know, give them a lightsaber to the eyes. <laughs> well, played. well played. So we've, we've talked about many of your, facets of honestly being a nerd you're you're a nerd there's there's no doubt about it in my is that mind right? is that right i didn't know that... <laughs> right no how... we wear it as a badge <laughs> of honor around here sir oh surely yeah well i mean looking at your website which the layout of your website the design of your website is fantastic that was love it that was done by my buddy uh chuck hurstis at rex remus on twitch um, that is so cool yeah at r-e-x-r-e-m-u-s give him a follow on twitch he's an incredibly interesting guy definitely Done. um and he was part of my band in high school we were in a band together so oh cool yeah so i was interested by your dungeons and dragons art and arcana visual history book yeah so cool i am an rpg nerd i am i love dandy i love watching critical role and then um looking at the book today looking at it on amazon i'm like the forward is by joe oh <laughs> like he's king of the rpg world pretty much yeah. with his his lair and i've seen video of his tour of his game room 
pretty impressive. I know. I'm pretty sure that game room is bigger than my house, Um, (laughs) but that is amazing. So how did you get into RPGs and do you have a current game? Yeah, I do. I, we just played the other day. Um, so, so the, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I've been playing D and D since I was a little kid since, you know, the way the little kids play, which by the way, stranger things did a hell of a job of portraying that because they're not mm-hmm. the rules correctly. You know, we, none of us did. None of us did. We didn't know what we were doing, <laughs> but it was so much fun. And, and, and ultimately the spirit of what we were doing was correct. Hold on for just a second. Let me negotiate here. Because Leonard is now like Spartacus and he's figured out, oh God, he's figured out that like, if he, he thinks he's talking, which is great. Cause he's like, he's imitating me. He's like, well, yeah, when you want something from me, you move your mouth and make sound. So he goes, and and what he's trying to do is get me to give him and his brothers more food and it (laughs) works because i'm a sucker so how could you say no to their cute little faces sit always a good sitter and then that's for you oh good and then you can have another one but now you got to be quiet for just a little bit i'll give you more so um yeah i've been playing since i was a kid and doing it all wrong and playing dnd and then got you know, and was super into that and just loved it. And then had all my books taken away because quote unquote, it's the devil. Oh yeah. Ah, yes. Right. Yeah. The satanic panic for anyone that doesn't know parents actually the 80s D and D were, were training manuals for Satanism. And that if you threw the books in the fire, they would scream, the books would scream and all kinds of crazy stuff. There were all these rumors that D and D made you go insane that you stopped you stopped being able to know what reality was because role-playing game, like there was like an inherent property of role-playing games that made you lose touch with reality and all this crazy stuff. And, you know, whereas we were developing social skills and (laughs) (laughs) having, you know, getting into, getting into hobbies that would keep us away from drugs and alcohol. Right. You know, like, right. You don't have money for drugs and alcohol when you buy minis. No, exactly. When you're, buying all those books so was super into dnd then had my books confiscated but then my then i switched i was i was at some place and this older kid told me he's like you know we were playing star wars i'm like what do you mean playing what do you mean playing star wars star wars had now been gone it's like 1987 or 88 right now at this point and had been gone for several years and i just completely disappeared and this guy's like, oh, we were playing star wars like, what are you talking about playing star wars He's like star wars role-playing game i'm like that's a thing those exist. <laughs> like it is. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm like, when did that happen? It's like DD for Star Wars. He's like, yeah. I'm like, what? Yes, so then I go and you know, get my parents to get me these West End Games role-playing game books, the, mm-hmm. the original West End games, which you know, that isn't the devil, that's Star Wars, right? Right. <laughs> and in it, I'm reading about space magic is better. Yeah, I'm, I'm right, space wizards. So. So then I'm reading about like how um, some senator named Palpatine. I'm like that what he like used you know it literally says in this opening thing that he uh, used subterfuge and deception and messed with the you know the barons of industry and the corrupt corrupting influence of money to trick his way to the presidency. And then betrayed and murdered the Jedi Knights, declaring himself the Emperor. I'm like, Whoa, wait a second. So this Palpatine guy is the Emperor? The Emperor's name is Palpatine? 
whoa and he was a senator and the jedi knights were oh my god what and it's like this is the world you were born into the world of star wars i'm like what and then i'm reading about like in the star wars source book like there is a crystal at the center of the lightsaber i'm like what there's a crystal <laughs> and the, the, the armor that boba fett wears is are you know is similar to you know it's it's the same type of armor no one knows where boba fett comes from but he wears the armor of the mandalorian warriors i'm like what's a mandalorian warrior there's more <laughs> of these guys what are we talking about so i'm reading all this stuff and dude like i was already a big star wars fan but then those role-playing game books just like i was lost in that world oh yeah and uh and so me and my friends set out and like played star wars like a lot a lot a lot a lot for many many years fast forward just the same group of guys that I grew up with <laughs> and we play RPGs. We did a star Wars campaign that lasted 12 years. We, uh, we are doing a D and D game now, but we're doing the 1981 mold Bay edition of Dungeons oh, and Dragons, basic D &D, nice. which is lethal as hell. If yes, you drop to, yeah. If you drop to zero hit points, you die immediately. There's no saving throw, no nothing. You just, oh, man. and you have very few hit points. Um, so we are doing it the way that, um, that the devil intended. We're playing the old version. <laughs> we've been playing that. We started that game uh, over the pandemic, and we've been, you know, playing it now for like a year and a half, or however long lockdown has been. Right. And then eventually, we're gonna we're gonna go back into Star Wars and play the Fantasy Flight Edition, which is like my favorite version of the Star Wars rules ever. It's just an so awesome. What awesome. is your what's your go to character build? I'm the GM. That's my go to. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Look at you go. All right. Yeah. The forever GM. That's my husband. He's that's he's me. Stuck as the forever GM. But. Yeah. Speaking of RPGs and characters, characters are dynamic and ever growing, and you've gotten to see Darth Maul's character develop through the most screen time he's ever gotten. Kind of weird, huh? Yeah. And so, as you played out his journey, like what pieces of his character did you connect to the most and throughout his character arc? I don't know. <laughs> I, um, um, all of it, I guess, because mm. we were, you know, uh, we, uh, it was fun. It was, it, 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 you know, anytime we re revisit that character, it continues to be fun because we're always trying to invent something new for him. Um, also, under the, with the understanding that, that he's in this um, cycle, that this, you know, he's, he's caught in the own in in the gravitational orbit of the black hole inside his own heart so mm -hmm. he's own, mm. sort of orbiting around himself in this vicious cycle this circle that he can't break out of and yet there are still plenty of really interesting new things you can do with the character um who's going through that what are you doing leonard Leonard, mr buggy what are you doing um so yeah all of it oh it was it was a terrific amazing challenge to even bring that character back on clone wars and dave and i were extremely worried about it really really stressed out and uh the fact that it seems to have worked um i'm is a source of never-ending joy for me <laughs> it really is right I nailed it in my opinion um well thank you thank you it was you know i think I think we knew we were in a good place when we were like bringing him back for rebels it was the first time we'd really you know we were we were bringing him back and we were like 
let's do something. Let's, let's do this. You know, like we were talking about uh -huh. it and we, we were a little, not, I don't want to say cocky, but we were like, after what we've done with the character in clone wars, if we don't do something weird, the fans are actually going to be disappointed. Whereas in clone wars, <laughs> you know, it was all about like, okay, first of all, we don't agree with what we've seen in terms of the portrayals of this character. And we're not talking about Phantom Menace. We're talking Phantom Menace. Obviously, we agree with it because it's Phantom Menace. That's where the character mm -hmm. came from. But we didn't entirely. It's not like we didn't like some of the stories that had happened with him. But he was all. He was often portrayed as very strong, silent type because he was in Phantom Menace. And the tricky thing is, is there's like we could almost only fail at this because the fans love him like that. They love him the way he is. And now we're going to take him and go, yeah, but you know, his personality is actually like this. It's not like that. It's like this, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you can only, you can almost only fail under those circumstances. So we were worried. We were concerned. We, we talked over and over and over again, you know, for months before we recorded anything about how we were going to tackle this. And, um, and it was never, you know, Dave, I don't ever recall Dave ever saying, I think he should sound like this. It was always, what's the character? We were always talking about this psychology. And one of the first places that we went was like, okay, well, that silent thing is going to go because it doesn't make sense. It makes sense in Phantom Menace because he's standing on ceremony. He's being a good apprentice. He's being a good soldier. But the fact is, is there's a rule of two. That, there's no way. There's no way. There's a rule of two. You can only mm -hmm. pick one apprentice. So he's going to be good at everything. You find an apprentice that it's not someone who's just good at sword fighting. They'd have to be brilliant. They'd have to be strategic. They'd have to be diplomatic. They'd have to probably have a really interesting sense of humor. They'd be really interesting people, um, these apprentices, if they survived that long. You know, So immediately we're like, okay, well, we're getting a sense of who this guy is and how manipulative he is, but also how charming he can be and all this different stuff. And then we had to tackle the whole, they're like, okay, let's back up. We have to tackle the spider guy. So, you know, <laughs> coming up with this idea that, that, you know, the Sith are constantly trying to fill the hole in their heart with stuff and wealth mm -hmm. and power and relationships. And Leonard, I'm talking about Star Wars. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, <laughs> So, so, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> Did you just do that? Okay, I'm gonna make you a deal. All right, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna give you a little extra food, but then that's it. Stop gaming the system. A girlfriend once said of said of me and my relationship to Leonard. She's like, the thing with you and Leonard is you really respect the guy. I'm like, I do, I do. I, he's clever. He's really, really. I like. I respect who he is. He's a good man, you know, and he's. He knows what he wants, you know. Anyway, so he's um, a great name. Leonard is a fantastic name for a dog. Yeah, we were just commenting yeah. on that. It's Leonard and Buster and Walter. Um, fantastic. So we had this spider thing, you know, and the Sith are all about filling this hole in their heart with anything they can. And in the case of Maul being discarded on the garbage planet, he would be gathering garbage and refuse around him, and that eventually, over the years, as his sanity you know sort of falling apart the the dark side you know like the garbage starts sticking to him and eventually getting bigger and bigger and bigger and trailing behind him as he would crawl until eventually 
it took on a life of its own. And the spider legs started animating themselves, power of the dark side of the force and all mm -hmm. this stuff. So we're going to do this crazy, mad, awful madness of the dark side, sort of teach the audience this is what the dark side really is. This is what it actually is and not what they're trying to project to everyone else. You know, this madness that Maul is going through and all that stuff. And then the next move was, you know, I said to Dave, I'm like, okay, for then for the next episode, we have to have him be as close to Phantom Menace Maul as we can be for the next episode. And then after that, we can start building our our character and we agreed that that was the way we were going to tackle it and i'm just so happy that we got away with it um and it was fun to be able to sort of add a character trait per episode you know sort of mm -hmm. add different flavors and and that has completely flavored the way we approach the character anytime that he's been you know dragged out for a story that there's like okay what what other interesting things and flavors of this character what what new can we learn about him and uh you know, I mean, that recent Clone Wars season, that was really fun, really, really fun, because we were, you know, we'd never seen him that terrified. We'd never seen him that off his pins and and disconcerted and uh, concerned. So, and I, and I just love Dave's writing. I mean, the idea that, well, I mean, take, take the Empire Strikes Back, right? You got Luke Skywalker up against, you know, Darth Vader and they're fighting. And, mm -hmm. okay so george they're fighting yeah and uh luke is uh he's good at, he, he's he kind of gets the upper hand for a second but then you find out vader has been touring with him and then vader cuts his hand off whoa really yeah he's gonna cut his hand off anyway so then uh he this is where vader is going to reveal he's gonna say come and join me because i am your father wait wait what yeah yeah it's, it's chill it's just it's a thing i figured out he's his father and then uh, uh he's gonna say join me and they're like, well, is he going to join him? Well, no, of course not. Luke, we all know Luke is not going to join Darth Vader. He would never join him. Well, then where's the drama if he asked him to join him? Well, we're going to put it against a bottomless pit. So it's the idea is join me or die. And you're like, oh, well, that's drama. And then Luke chooses die, you know, which mm -hmm. is a really interesting thing. You know, the drama is built up by I am your father and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And this choice that Luke is given um, under the circumstances of his father asking him, you know, there's a lot of drama baked in there. Um, so Dave and George's twist on that, that for their version of that type of scene is make the bad guy, right? <laughs> make the bad guy. Everything he's saying is the truth. And he's the only guy that has any idea of how to combat what's about to happen. He's the only guy that has a workable solution in any way. So he's right. And that's the drama. What is the, you know, all the good the protagonist, Ahsoka Tano, the main character, the good person, all the good person has to do is kill their best friend. That's not good, you know? And Maul, mm -hmm. Maul's only mistake there was that he didn't recognize. He figured, well, we're the same. I got betrayed by the Sith. I hate my master. You got betrayed by the Jedi. You hate your master. And mm -hmm. No, that's not how it works. He doesn't get that. He thinks, here's your chance to get back at your master because we have to kill him because he's going to be a huge problem. And he's right. <laughs> but, <laughs> he is right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating scene where Maul basically lays out, you know, what did we say? We joked. He's Maul splaining Star Wars. I thought that was funny. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 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 
that was the joke. <laughs> it was a joke me and him made to each other. We were laughing our ass off. But, I love but it. the um, but you know that's that's a really interesting thing. And 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 you know, in terms of what his actual plan is, I don't know exactly what his specifics were, other than the fact that no one really talks about uh, the fact that Maul has absolutely devastating information to give the Jedi, tons of it. And the big chief thing, the big thing that he has is throughout this series, the Clone Wars, everyone's like, who's the Sith Lord? Who's the Sith Lord? Who's Darth Sidious? Who's Darth Sidious? Maul's like, I'll tell you. He's right over there. There's him. That's him. Palpatine. Yeah, some of you guys are already suspecting it. I'm telling you, that's him. There he is. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? So he's the only guy who can actually name him. He's the only guy that can actually do that. And yet out of either misguided loyalty or fear, he has not divulged that secret throughout the entirety of his time since he was brought back. And finally at the end, if he can get Ahsoka Tano to join him, he'll tell her and she doesn't go for it. So, you know, crazy stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the coolest thing about all this stuff though, is that this is what I love about George Lucas's Star Wars is that he's all, he never really repeats himself. He's always going off in strange directions. You know, some people be like, well, he did repeat himself, the Death Star. I'm like, that's really minor because Return of the Jedi is a very challenging piece in which he takes the biggest, who was the biggest villain in cinema history at the time, and perhaps even today, Darth Vader, and turns him into a pitiful figure and a sympathetic figure, which mm-hmm. never would never imagine that before that you know and he was going to create a new villain in the emperor and have that be even worse when that worked out you know and then and that the solution to all this when the when the the main character luke skywalker's mentors are saying you have to kill darth vader and he's saying i don't know if i could do that you know the previous movie is about how how bad it is when he don't when he didn't listen to his mentors how things go horribly wrong when you don't respect your elders and don't respect the knowledge and wisdom they're giving you. And then the next movie is now you have to reject them because you are an adult. Now you must come up with your own path. Don't listen to what they're telling you. These same mentors who have your best interest at heart, who have everyone's best interest at heart, who you didn't listen to, who are trying to help you at this point, you're wise enough to know they're wrong. And that the only way to deal with this situation is to look your enemies in the eye and throw your weapon down. That's like, that's a repeat? I don't think so, you know? Overturn right. the retread. That's a retread, really? That's the type of ending to a trilogy that Hollywood has still been chasing after and has not cracked since Return of the Jedi. You know, we don't have anything like that. Um, hmm. You know, and for everyone that talks about how fascinating Darth Vader is as a character, and they all think, you know, that a lot of that is in the Empire Strikes Back and you go, no, that heavy lifting was done in Return of the Jedi and you're projecting it back to the Empire Strikes Back oh, yeah. because you knew there was a subtext, you didn't know what it was. Jedi gives the subtext to the Empire Strikes Back uh, retroactively. So, you know, you, you look at all this stuff, you know, all these things and something that Dave said to me once was that you don't always recognize a good idea from George. And the reason is you've never heard the idea before. You can't relate it to another movie or book or this and that. So you don't know how it works. And here we are discussing Darth Maul and Ahsoka Tano. 
and Darth Sidious and how the Jedi are politically gridlocked and that Order 66 is about to happen. The end of the world is going to happen. He's corrupted a young man and whittled away at him for years. And his sister, essentially Ahsoka, either needs to kill him or choose to believe in him. And if she chooses to believe in him, that's actually the wrong thing in this circumstance. All of these circumstances we're talking about, everything that we're talking about, would absolutely explode the mind of any Star Wars fan who heard it in 1986 because it has it, you wouldn't know how to relate to it to anything you'd seen before. And that's what I love about George Lucas's Star Wars. It's weird. It's new. You're talking about things that you had no idea about. They have nothing, you know what I mean? Like if I were to talk about the prequels or, you know, some sort of Star Wars thing back in 1985, I would be riffing on what I'd already seen. I'd be like, yeah, it's kind of like, and then, then they go and they, uh, you know, do this thing and they fight these walkers and then, and then that happens. And then, and then, then you find out it's Darth Vader's cousin and oh my God, you know, <laughs> whereas here we are talking about, you know, Omega and bad batch of clones and, you know, Camino, mm -hmm. Boba Fett's father, Django Fett and all these weird things that if I were to say them, I would, I would be lost as a young person hearing this stuff in the best way i'd be so excited because it's all very new you know well sam we have enjoyed having you on funny science fiction and honestly i think we could talk to you for hours you've you're <laughs> you've on a lot of different topics it's been a lot of fun but before we kick you out of here uh we have something we like to do with every guest and that is play a little quiz with you okay <clears throat> all right so um it's a five question quiz all questions are multiple choice. All right. Okay. If you get three of the five questions correct, we'd like to send you one of these I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphan Funds coffee mugs, like the one I'm holding up here. Okay. If you get four of the questions correct, we'll send you that mug along with the book from our founding uh, father of the group, uh, author Drayton Allen. It's called Custodians of the Cosmos. It's a book written about something that's a lot like Star Trek, but not quite uh, for legal reasons. Um, and uh, <laughs> where a young man tries to enter something quite like Star the, the, the Starfleet Federation and washes out. And so in order totally to not Starfleet Federation, totally, totally not that. Uh, but instead, he rejoins as a custodian so he can boldly clean up after those who boldly just went. So uh, with that, we have five questions for you. It's a okay. Star Wars quiz because uh, we thought, well, it'd be kind of fun to throw some questions at you and see how you do on, on some of these. Now, if, if you get less than three of the questions correct, we'd like to take a picture of you, put it in our, our Facebook group of over 190,000 members and make a meme out of you. We call it our fun sequence. Why, why are we doing this? What is, why, <laughs> why? Well, you see here because we can. Let's <laughs> see. Let's see. All right. Are you All okay right. with that? Sure. All you right. would be in very good company in the meme verse if that happens. But <laughs> Great. It's you in Star Wars. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I mean, again, like I when I've been talking for a while, I I'm, and I've had a long day. I'm like, I don't remember anything. My mind goes, <laughs> "Oops." <Sorry. It's> all, right. <laughs> all right, Nick, take us out. On Darth Vader's chest plate, there is a phrase which reads. His deeds will not be forgiven until he merits. In what language is it written? Is it A, Hatiz, B, Swahili, or C, Hebrew? C, Hebrew. 
Very good. That is correct. That is correct. All right, question number two. What is the name of Queen Amidala's decoy? A, Sabine, B, Chardet, or C, Sabe? Sabe, C. Also correct. Two for two. Chardet is great. Chardet. <laughs> <laughs> this popular word in the Star Wars universe is never said in any Star Wars movie. Is it A, Kashyyyk, B, Ewok, or C, Toydarian? Wait, wait, this popular word? What? Was never said in any Star Wars movie. Okay, and then what what are the words again? Kashyyyk, Ewok, Toydarian. It would probably be uh, Ewok, right? Correct. All right, so that gets you three. That earns the coffee mug. Yay, coffee mug. Out of out of danger of being a Thank meme. Thank God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number four. The opening crawl was influenced by what sci-fi serial show? A. Flash Gordon Rocky. Conquers the Universe, yeah. It is Flash Gordon. I love there Flash. you go. Four for four. That gets you the mug and the book. And this is what we like to say is just for funsies. What was Yoda's name originally? Buffy, Minch Yoda, or Ayla. Minch Yoda. Yeah. Very good. All right. Yeah. Five for five, sir. Well done, you. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> we try not to make them too difficult, but we thought yeah, we had... Right. But it's it's good. You got, you got some share of difficulty in there. Yeah, we tried a little bit. One that probably caught, catches people off guard is the Kashyyyk Ewok thing. Because so much it. this stuff in the original trilogy they never actually say in the movie you know like right even in the in the original star wars they never say x-wing but they're x-wings you know they do say mm-hmm. in the empire strikes back ship approaching x-wing class you know that type of right thing. yeah i don't think I, I don't think kashik was said until uh the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. uh, and toy darian was said during the prequel trilogy but i i looked it up i had to do quite a bit of research on that question about ewok and yeah so um yeah. several sites uh Several reputable sites all said that it was had not been said. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how that works. Well, Sam, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're working on now? Um, I suppose just send them to samwhitward.com. I guess I think that's I'm, I'm not very good at self promotion. <laughs> um, but yeah, samwhitward.com. And if you're interested in that music stuff that I do. Uh, the group is the Crash Tones, which is my imaginary group. The cassette is actually a unique version of the record because I monkeyed with the songs before I put it on the cassette. So that's a little bit different than the other versions. And uh, yeah, that's that can be all found on Amazon and stuff, along with Dungeons and Dragons, Art and Arcana and all that stuff, which is the D&D book, the visual history of Dungeons and Dragons that we made. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, there's links for for those all on your website i think so yeah i think that's right to jump people over if they go to samwitwer.com i think they'll have access to all of that there you go samwitwer.com you'll find it all from there yeah definitely definitely going to link that for our viewers and our listeners excellent thank you all right guys if you have it by now uh, i want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to help us Get more amazing guests like Sam Whitwer here today to have funny moments for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It's that little button right down there. You want to make sure you click that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And and, uh, make sure that you go out 
and check out Sam's work and his music as well. I'm sure you're going to enjoy both of that. Um, but for whatever reason, if you're not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint, our complaint department. That, of course, is Darth Maul, the new leader of Mandalore and the owner of the Darksaber. But we do suggest that you bring at least three sets of your complaint and some Republic or, or CIS credits to the table. One to get to past the pirates, one to bribe the guards at the door, and the rest, well, of course, for Maul. He's ruthless in his efficiency, but you can be sure that your complaint will be heard and cared for if there's enough credits attached to it. If not, well, you might just get to meet his lightsaber. Thanks again, Sam. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. This has been Funny Science Fiction. Goodbye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Bills and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 66. You'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins Darth Maul in the quest to take over Mandalore, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope. Because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his blaster. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.